Welcome in to a Thursday episode of Back and Forth. I'm your host, Stat Matt, a.k.a. Matt Raftery. Joined alongside, as always, by my co-host, Joey G. As promised, today we do have a little bit of an NBA preview to give you. We will run down our predictions for the Eastern and Western Conference standings as we see it. Um, obviously, we've already had opening night in the book. I would imagine Joey's fairly happy with opening night result, given very, that very happy. Boston uh, continues their ownership over the city of Philadelphia. Um, and the Lakers looked exactly how we imagined they would. So Correct. no surprises there. Um, make sure you guys are following the show on Twitter, though. At BackForthPod is the handle for Twitter or for back and forth on Twitter. Instagram is at BackForthPodcast. And of course, while you're there, make sure you give... The Talk That Talk Media Company, a follow on Twitter at TTT Media Company. The rest of the socials are spelled out at Talk That Talk Media Company. We have, like we said, NBA for you. We'll, get, we'll give you a few college football picks this week. Uh, neither one of us all, all that much loved this card this week, so may give you uh, maybe two or three picks that we like uh, compared to four or five that we normally would give you. And, I mean... It's Thursday night football, so that's that's all I'm gonna leave it so at. So it's another snooze fest. Yeah. We're back to the pathetic. Is it Call Duty? Is it Call of Duty weekend, by the way, or not yet? Next next week, but I think I don't know if Kyle Kyle Murray plays the campaign or not. I think if you pre-ordered it, you play the camp, which is the single player mode. You play that a week early. So I don't know if he plays a single player mode or not. So if he does, then Mike want to keep your eye on that. But yeah. Call of Duty weekend is next weekend, so all right. Which I think the Cardinals have a bye next week. Oh man, coincidentally. So I'd have to double check that. Um, but that, what a perfect week to have a bye. But still, like the next week, it's fresh off a new game. He's still going to be. It's still it's going to be an issue for the next two weeks for them. Yeah. I'm like Kyler, did you watch film? He's like, uh, yeah, totally, totally, sure. <laughs> but uh, as Matt mentioned. The NBA season uh, officially now in full swing. Uh, we had two games last night. Uh, the Celtics beating the Philadelphia 76ers um, in what very well could be a preview of the Eastern Conference Finals. And we have the Lakers and Warriors. And, uh, you know, I think anyone could probably guess how that game was going to go. The Lakers are, are pretty shit. And uh, yeah. you'll, you'll see that in both our predictions, I think. Uh, but why don't we get started? Eastern Conference. Matt, do you want to go first? You want me to go first? Yeah, sure, I'll go first. Matt, All floor right. is yours. So, top of the chain for me is... You're starting from bottom to worst or, or bottom to top or top to bottom? Either way. Okay. Whatever whatever you... It doesn't matter, yeah. Better. All right, I'll go... You know what? I'll save the best for last. How about that? Yeah. So, we'll go bottom. Uh, the worst team in this conference is by far going to be the Charlotte Hornets. I mean, literally half their team is sitting in jail at the current moment. Um, don't know if I need to say much more than that. Charlotte takes the cake. Detroit, number 14. Um, they're going to be Detroit. Like, no surprises here. Orlando, number 13. Little better than last year, but still Orlando. Indiana, making a little bit of uh, improvement, but they are still 12 and out of the playoff race in my standings. Washington just misses it because that's typically what Washington does. They get very close, and they just miss the play-in. Uh, now for the play-in tournament team or play-in teams slash playoff teams, the New York Knicks grab the 10th seed. That's a very New York Knick type of thing to do. Just do enough to get by. Uh, let's see. 
I, I almost I had to switch this one around because um, I realized I had ranked this team a little too low. But the Chicago Bulls, the number nine seed, I think we see a little bit of a step backwards for Chicago. Um, no Lonzo for a significant part of the year as well. Yeah. Number eight is Toronto. And it's no knock on Toronto, but I looked at how competitive the East is going to be, and this is kind of where they fell. The 76ers, number seven. I told you this is the biggest wild card of the conference. I thought about putting them at seven, and I was like, I can't, I can't do that. But we'll, we'll get, yeah, that's I, an interesting pick. I'm putting them at seven because I, it, almost preparing in case they do implode midseason and like Embiid wants out, because I could very well see that happening. Um, they didn't look all that great last night, so I don't know. I, to me, they're going to be good enough to just get into the play-in tournament. They may steal the sixth seed, and they, they get into the first round of the playoffs, but I don't see this Philadelphia team doing all that much after that. Number six, the Cleveland Cavaliers. It's been an uh, uptick in sports for the city of Cleveland. They had the Guardians uh, in the NLD or yeah, ALDS, I should say. Um, almost so, got New York. Almost, yeah. Uh, took him to a game five. And um, trying to think what else. Oh, the Cleveland Browns doing a little bit better than people <laughs> anticipated. Um, so, you know, hey, things are looking okay in Cleveland. Number five, the Atlanta Hawks. This is a group that feels like they're just one more year away from really breaking into the top tier. Good right now, but not all that all that great in comparison to what's ahead of them. Number four, the Brooklyn Nets. And this may be very being very optimistic with Brooklyn in hoping that Kyrie and Katie play the majority of the year. Obviously, if one or the other or both start sitting out significant time, that's going to change uh, their projection from me. Number three is the Miami Heat. I think Miami, they're good defensively. I would like to see a little bit more offense out of them, and that's why I'm a little hesitant to put them in the top two. Number two, and I th- I went back and forth on this one. I ended up with Boston at two. Yeah. Um, I was trying to make a strong case for Boston number one and Milwaukee number two. I just feel like Boston, maybe losing, he may cost them a spot in the standings, but that's about it. I think Boston's still going to be good. But again, like we've talked about um, to end last season, Milwaukee could have very well beat Boston had they had Chris Middleton in that series, which is why now a healthy Chris Middleton is the reason I am putting Milwaukee at the top of the conference. I do think they're going to be the class of the field. They're going to be the team that everybody needs to beat to get out of the East, including the Boston Celtics. Like I feel like this is going to be probably one of the better Milwaukee teams we've seen. Yeah. Um, I'm in agreement with Matt on that. Last I was interchanging them both. I think you're going to know who I put one. Uh, but my Eastern Conference innings, 15th seed. I'm going to go with the Indiana Pacers. Um, this is a a team that's tanking for Victor. They have a very valuable young piece, I think, in Tyrese Halberton. They've got a great future in him. Um, and pairing those two would be, you know, um, would be very good for them. Uh, Halberton and Victor Wimbanyana would be a, a very impressive duo. Um, Indiana would bring back those Paul George glory days where, you know, they're selling out the field house and uh, making Eastern Conference Finals run. I think that's the plan A ultimate dream uh, for Indiana, which is very much accompl- uh, they can accomplish this offseason if they just if they 
play like shit, which <laughs> you look at their roster um, very well uh, capable of doing that. 14th seed, um, the Charlotte Hornets. Uh, this is this is a team that's kind of been consistently the last past two years getting that 10th seed, and you're figuring, okay, when are they going to, you know, get out of that plane or, or at least move up into the 8th or 7th seed where they have multiple chances to snag that uh, playoff spot. Um, and you'd think it'd be this year, and everything that could have just went wrong for Charlotte this offseason went wrong. Miles Bridges, James Booknight, uh, Montrax Harrell, but he I know he ended up going to Philadelphia. So um, having three incidents with players um, and – not a very good locker room environment, I would imagine, right now. Uh, LaMelo Ball is going to miss a portion of the beginning of the season. Uh, just like I said, anything that can go wrong with this team has gone wrong. That's why I'm putting them at 14. 13th, I'm going to put Orlando. Um, they, they're they they're a little bit better than last year. Uh, they've got good young pieces, but not really enough to, to get anywhere past 13 or 12th, I think. Um, 12th, I'm going to put the Wizards. Uh kind of in agreement with Matt here um they're just they're gonna start off the season I think really strong and then they're gonna absolutely collapse the back end of the season which is pretty much what they did last year and uh for the past you know few years it seems like they've been just barely missing the plane or getting in the plane and falling flat and on their face so um really hasn't been anything positive in in DC since John Wall really hasn't been healthy and since he left 11th I'm gonna go with the Pistons um, I think the Pistons barely missed the plan. Uh, this Detroit team is good. Don't make any mistake. Cade Cunningham, uh, Sadiq Bay, uh, uh, Ivy, um, Marvin Bagley, Isaiah Stewart. They have great young talent, great young pieces. Um, they were one of the better bottom five teams, I think, last season. Uh, it was just a lot had to do with their youth. They were playing a lot of teams close. Uh, they had a very impressive summer league with their young talent. Um, they have a very good head coach, I think, and Joanne Casey. I mean, this is this is a very good young team, and I would not be surprised if if New York plays typical Knicks basketball. The Knicks fall to the eleventh seed, and Detroit gets that tenth seed. Um, I think the Pistons are a very underrated underrated team, and I think going into the twenty twenty three twenty four season, um, they're a top eight team going into that year. Tenth, uh, as I just said, will be the New York Knicks. I mean, very underwhelming uh, underwhelming for them considering where they were a couple years ago. Um, they were the fifth or fourth seed, I believe. Uh, you're spending $100 million on Jalen Brunson um, and then an additional near $200 million, I think, on R.J. Barrett. Uh, not not really a whole lot of positive things about the Knicks, uh, but I'm going to put them at the 10th seed. Ninth, uh, and again, agreeing with Matt, I'm going to go with the Chicago Bulls. Um, health issues and just with how stacked the East is this year, I really can't put them any higher. Um, I would like to interchange them with the Raptors for this eighth seed, but just can't do it. And as I just said, eighth seed, the Toronto Raptors. Um, again, a young team. I like Scotty Barnes. I like Pascal Siakam. Fred Van Fleet is a solid point guard, but with how stacked the East is, can't really put them much higher. Uh, here's where things will get a little interesting for me. This will probably be one of the better seventh seeds in a long time. I'm going to go with the Atlanta Hawks. Uh, I want to put them higher, but again, same reasoning as I as I just said. This is a very loaded Eastern Conference, and maybe I can interchange Atlanta for the seventh and sixth seed. Um, but I want I want to see how Dejounte Murray and and Trey Young play and how how it all flows. And they they have 
the potential to maybe snag a fourth or three seed. Uh, but for the time being, I'll put them at seven. Six seed, the Atlanta, or excuse me, the Atlanta, the Miami Heat. This team did not get better at all this offseason. They were one win away from the NBA Finals. Usually a team in that position um, makes a lot of moves in the offseason and tries everything in their power to get back to that position where they have a chance to go to the NBA Finals. They did not get better at all. Um, Max Struess is still there. You know, they they, they, they gave Tyler Hero an extension. They re-signed Udonis Haslam. They lost P.J. Tucker, um, which is, I think, a very valuable piece. Um, but they're in the sweepstakes for Kevin Durant. They're in the sweepstakes for Donovan Mitchell. They're in the sweepstakes for a lot of uh, free agents and um, other potential trade pieces uh, that could have helped them. And they did not get a single one of them. Um, and their roster did not improve at all. And everyone else around them got better. Um, I'm going to put them at the sixth seed. I think they're one of the um, more fraudulent one seeds uh, in the NBA last year. And uh, they, they, didn't, they didn't do too much to make themselves better. So they're a sixth seed. And they very well could be a seventh seed. And Atlanta gets that sixth seed. Fifth seed, Brooklyn Nets. Um, this feels, again, underwhelming for them. Uh, this I... I really don't know where to put this team. Just depends on what kind of mooded mood Kyrie is in uh, 82 nights of the season. If he wants to play, if he doesn't want to play, I don't know. Um, Kevin Durant is enough to get you to the playoffs. So if Kyrie at least plays half those games, if he's in a good mood uh, and Katie stays healthy, a fifth seed should be right about where they end up. Uh, fourth seed, Cleveland Cavaliers. Uh, I like Cleveland. Um, I like the moves they made this offseason with getting Donovan Mitchell. Uh, they were originally a seventh seed last year um, and just couldn't close it out in the playing tournament um, and inevitably uh, obviously missed the playoffs. But uh, making the moves they did this offseason, getting down to Mitchell, bringing back Ricky Rubio, uh, those are two big pieces for them. I'll put them at the fourth seed. Third seed, Philadelphia 76ers. They have the talent. Will it mesh? I'm going to roll with the talent they have right now. Because um, the talent they have is definitely good enough to get them a three or two seed in this Eastern Conference. What Matt's argument was, um, and I can relate to this with the Bucks and Celtics, very interchangeable. Um, but I'm going to roll with the Eastern Conference champions at one and the team that lost in the second round at two. Um, seeing how Brown and Tatum played last night, and I think I know it's only one game in the year. Uh, but again, I don't think the league understands that these guys are only getting better as, as time goes on. And Chris Middleton is a great player. And Giannis is obviously, I think, the best player on the planet right now. Um, but I'm, I'm going to roll with the Eastern Conference champs. And I know losing Ime sucks, but um, I think the talent the Celtics team has and the bench depth they have, the fact that Malcolm Brogdon and, and Derek White and Grant Williams and Blake Griffin are all off the bench pieces is is, is pretty huge. Um and uh, Al Horford could be very well coming off the bench as well when Robert Williams comes back. So uh, this is a very loaded Celtics team as as well as, as the Bucks team, but I'll roll with the Eastern Conference champs. So Bucks at two, Celtics at one. We'll go into the Western Conference. Yeah, so the Western Conference, again, we'll go. I'll go worst to first. Worst team in the West is going to be the Houston Rockets. Houston literally did not do anything to their team. Like, they didn't get better. They were bad last year. They're going to be bad this year. I almost <laughs> I almost had the Lakers at 14, and then I realized, I was like, oh, wait, that's a little too low. 
So I finally decided San Antonio is going to be a 14. San Antonio's nice. They're very young, and Pop's getting older. Something's going to give here eventually. 13, again, I this was another team that I had originally too low. Um, then I had to make some adjustments. Number 13 I landed on was... I can't even read my own scratch. Um, 13, uh, Sacramento. Sacramento's going to be 13. Still very young. Still very... I mean, there's still a lot of pieces here. I don't know if they're going to mesh necessarily. Um, it, it's Sacramento... If they mesh, they're going to be better than 13. If they don't and they still take some time to develop, 13 is about right. Oklahoma City, number 12. Another team that's very young. They don't have Chet Holmgren this year. Oklahoma City could actually be worse than this, depending on what they decide to do. They could very well be tanking for Victor. Like, I mean, it's not out of the ordin- out of the question to see Oklahoma City 15 intentionally trying to get Victor. Yeah. So um, Oklahoma City going to be well outside of the play-in conversation. Um, That leaves number 11, the Lakers. The Lakers do not get to the play-in tournament. You think the Utah Jazz get in the play-in tournament? They find a way in? Uh, Yes, they are the 10th seed. Um, The Lakers are disjointed. Uh, This team does not work at all. And, I mean, we talk about teams that could implode mid-season, Lakers feel like they are one wrong move away from ha- from that happening. Um, it's very clear that Westbrook doesn't want to be there. It's clear that him and Patrick Beverly still have, you know, tension or whatever, even though they they try and cover it up and all that. And LeBron's not getting any younger at this point. Anthony Davis is fragile. We know this. So, I mean, in a loaded Western Conference, it just feels like there's too much tension and too much going on in the Laker organization for them to really put together a viable playoff run. I think the Lakers are the last team out of the play-in tournament. Like I said, Utah, number 10, a lot of movement in that franchise this past offseason. Not, probably not for the better, but Utah, I mean, they're going to have the, the atmosphere, if nothing else, uh, that'll give them a little bit of an advantage during home games. Maybe that's enough to get them just into the play-in tournament, but I don't think they go very far. Number nine, the New Orleans Pelicans. Now, Another team that I think could be good, but again, this is really going to be the first look we have at Zion in a long time, like since probably Zion's rookie year. Zion says he's healthy, he's ready to go. I'm at a, you know, until proven otherwise type of state with Zion because he has been very injury prone early in his career. Portland Trailblazers are number eight. This feels about right for Portland, like... I don't know if Portland's going to get any better this year. They didn't really get all that better this offseason. They did extend Dame. But again, Dame's one of those guys. He's not getting any younger. And his patience is probably running pretty thin with Portland. So could Dame one out midseason? Possibly. I don't know. Minnesota, number seven. Minnesota did get better. They didn't get all that much better, though. Like, it's they didn't move mountains, essentially, to get better. Um, Minnesota... Feels like a, a decent seven seed. The Phoenix Suns are number six. I have very high concerns about the Phoenix Suns this year. There are people around the league that believe when we talk about implosion that this team could be the first one. And they're going to ask DeAndre Ayton to step away from the team rather soon. Um, 
I mean, a lot of people think that this team could really go south before Christmas. Yeah, they think it's going to be that soon. And again, you it's a team that's got a lot of veterans. You have Chris Paul that's really on the back half of his career. Devin Booker's getting older. I just don't know how good Phoenix and how competitive they're going to be in a Western Conference that that's this loaded. Which leads me to number five, Denver. Um, yes, they have the reigning MVP. That's about all they got. Like Jokic is really the the main attraction to Denver, and then you have a little bit of Jamal Murray. You have a little bit of um, whoever you want to throw in there, but really, it's it's Jokic and. I don't know if Jokic is going to be able to continuously put up the numbers he's been doing on a consistent basis, um, especially since he's back-to-back MVP. Number four, the Dallas Mavericks. And this is a team that I really wanted to put higher because I, I like Luka. Like, I think Luka can carry this team, but he's only going to carry him so far. Like, Dallas is another one of those teams we mentioned. They didn't get any better. They've kept Luka. And one only one guy is going to be able to do so much. Like, I feel like Den- Dallas and Denver could be somewhat interchangeable because they're really led by one person. And then everybody else kind of just follows suit. Number three. Now, the top three of the Western Conference, to me, feels like the class of the field. Um, these, this is going to be a tight race between these three teams. But number three, the Memphis Grizzlies. I think Memphis... Again, like if they're number three, they're going to be like maybe a game away from first. Like that's how tight I think this race is going to be. I just feel that Memphis, it, they're 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 kind of led by job, but they have other really good pieces, and I think they have enough to be considered a top tier team in the Western Conference, but maybe just not enough compared to what these other two have. In again, I'm talking inches, not feet here. Like when it comes to these three teams. Number two, the Golden State Warriors. Back, repeating is hard. Going back-to-back back is hard. And I'm a little concerned of what's going to happen between Draymond Green and Jordan Poole. Like, Jordan Poole just signed an extension uh, for, I believe, four years, $140 million, And Jordan Poole, for lack of a better term, got his bell rung by Draymond Green not that long ago. I don't know what's going to happen with Draymond. Like the, the the organization very well could be shopping Draymond near the deadline if things don't get any better. I, that's my that really be my only concern with Golden State. I still think they're going to be a good team. They proved it last night against the Lakers at home on ring night. Uh, took care of them pretty easily. Number one, the deepest team in the, the league, in my opinion, the LA Clippers. And deepest as far as like, you could make legitimate cases for eight to nine deep with this team, with how deep their roster goes. Their second unit's going to be probably the best in the league compared to other teams' second unit. And I think Ty Lue is proving that he's not just LeBron's guy as a coach, because that's the fear that you get like with Ty Lue originally is like, oh, well, he won a championship, but it was with LeBron. Like, So how much did he really contribute? I think Ty Lue's one of the better coaches in this league and maybe one of the more underrated coaches in the league uh, when you look at, um, you know, level of coach that he is. I think he's a perfect fit for this franchise. And it feels like the the Clippers are gearing up for this year. Like, I don't, I don't think they would have gone as aggressive this year for the championship 
by going out and getting John Wall. Like that's a pretty aggressive move in my opinion because you're you're essentially taking a pretty big risk on a guy that is coming off of a very significant injury. You had to restructure a contract, um, but he's a guy that has a lot of upside to him. Like if John Wall stays healthy and this group stays healthy and can work with each other, I mean, this is a team that could win a lot of basketball games. Clippers at one. All right, well, here we go. Western Conference, 15 through 12 here. Well, 15 Spurs, 14 uh, Utah Jazz, 13 Houston Rockets, 12 Oklahoma City Thunder. They're all in the same boat here. They're young. Brighter days are ahead, but they are in the tanking for Victor Wembanyama stage right now. Yep. Um, these are all very good. Like I said, a lot of great young talent on these teams, but um, not really enough to get them anywhere. And um, yeah, I'm sure there's money being slid under the table to, to purposely lose some games so they can get in the draft lottery. A little and get uh, Miami Dolphin situation. Yeah, something like yeah. that going on there. Um, but I think this year the NBA may turn a blind eye to it because of um, – the pure do. hype behind Victor Wimbledon. I mean, they're always throwing a blind eye when they do the little draft lottery anyways. Right. They got the ping pong balls right. behind closed doors. And right. And one thing is it better not go to Utah. And I think the NBA will do everything in their power because we cannot let Victor Wimbledon, probably the most hyped up prospect, the most talented prospect we've seen since LeBron, go to the Utah Jazz. That just cannot happen. San Antonio Spurs, sure. Pacers, sure. Rockets, hey, I'm for it. Oklahoma City Thunder, absolutely. Would love any one of those teams. Charlotte Hornets, I don't know because he might he might, he might end, end up in jail, jail if he goes yeah. to Charlotte. So uh, probably not that one. But anywhere else, yes, I'm all for. Um, the 11th seed, the Sacramento Kings. Uh, they will they will be fighting tooth and nail for it. They may they may get that 10th seed. They may just get it. But right now, I'm going to put them at 11. Um, they've got Sabonis, they got De'Aaron Fox, they've got uh, Davion Mitchell, they've got good young pieces there. They've got Keegan Murray, who I think is a home run pick for them. He was, in last year's class, he is not the best player, but he was the most NBA-ready player. He will come in and contribute right away for them, I think. Um, uh, I think he'll kind of be what they want Harris, what they wanted Harrison Barnes to be when they got Harrison Barnes. I think that'll be kind of his role, uh, his rookie season there. Uh, the tenth seed, the Portland Trailblazers. Um, this is just, and they may fall to eleven. There ain't nothing there besides Dame, and Dame will drag this team to the tenth seed. Um, not really much has to be said about this team. They quite frankly need to give up on it. Um, I think it, this could be Dame's last year uh, in Portland. At least, if you're the Blazers, that's because they're missing. Like you look at it, they're missing on a they're missing out on a chance to get Victor Wembanyama right now. I would much rather have a 5% chance to get Victor Wimbanyana, then ride out this wave with Dame and grab a 10th or an 11th seed and get literally bounced in the plan. Like, is that really worth it? Like, it's, in my eyes, it's not worth it. It's much it's much more worth having a chance to get Wimbanyana. And there's also a good player that a lot of people are overlooking in Scoot, in Scoot Henderson. Scoot yeah. Henderson and any other draft class is a number one player. He is a fantastic athlete. Um, so even getting him is a, is a home run. So... Um, he's no consolation prize by any means. Uh, Victor Wembanyama is obviously the dream for a lot of teams, but Scoot Henderson may just, it sounds crazy to say it, the steal of the draft will be the number two pick, but he might as, he might very well be a steal that because he's very well being overlooked right now. Um, ninth seed, the Los Angeles Lakers. Uh, I'm just going to say and assume that LeBron stays healthy all year, and I 
I've got to put him in the picture somewhere. Uh, Anthony Davis will uh, step on a curb in a couple weeks, <laughs> and uh, he'll be out for the rest of the year. Um, Kendrick Nudd will hit his knee on a glass table again like he did last year, and he'll be out for the season. Uh, and it'll be Austin Reeves and LeBron James leading the show. Um, Dennis Schroeder's already hurt, so and I don't think Dennis Schroeder's that much of a game changer anyway. Uh, but yeah, this Lakers team's a mess. They don't flow. They don't. They don't mesh together. And even watching it last night, that that may have been one of the worst basketball teams I've ever seen. And I'm putting them at the ninth seed just because of LeBron James. That sole reason. It's a big assumption, by the way, that LeBron's not going to miss any time. Yeah, it is. But I'm just gonna like you. Just can't. You can't put a LeBron, a LeBron led team out of the picture. I know they didn't make it last year, um, and they didn't make it this first year there, but. I'll put them at the ninth seed. And I think um, they are better. They are at least better than OKC, Houston, Utah, and the Spurs. So worst case scenario, they're an 11th seed, I guess. But, um, yeah, you could just see it last night. This team doesn't mesh together. They don't play as a unit. Um, They're going to have a lot of problems heading into the season. And another team that's going to have a lot of problems here at the eighth seed is the Phoenix Suns. This is a huge drop-off for them. Um, but this is where I have them. Uh, DeAndre Ayton, again, is very similar to Wessel, Russell Westbrook. It doesn't seem like he wants to be there. Uh, he had the whole incident on media day with his coach uh, where they had not spoken at all during the summer, and that is very unusual. Um, you can say whatever you want, but for a coach to not have communicated at all or spoken to his uh, starting center who had just resigned on a – four-year, hundred-plus-million-dollar deal, to not say a single word to him all offseason is, is is definitely unusual and not normal. So um, Chris Paul, again, only getting older. Um, I'll put them at the eighth seed. I don't I don't think they're better than any of these other seven teams I'm about to go through. Uh, seventh seed, the Pelicans. And the Pelicans could very well be better than the seventh seed. This is, a, again, uh, with the acquisition of uh, uh, C.J. McCollum last year, a team that played significantly better, was able to grab the eighth seed last season, and now you're adding Zion Williamson into the fold, and these young players are only getting, again, only going to get better. Uh, you have Brandon Ingram there, uh, C.J. McCollum, Zion Williamson, um, uh, Herb Jones, who was all-rookie uh, first team, who has a chance, I think, this year to make an a, a all-defensive team, whether it's first or second. Uh, a lot of talent here, and they could very well be better than the seventh seed. I'm really excited to watch this Pelicans team. They'll be very fun to watch. Six seed, the Mavericks. Only because of Luka. This is a team, again, that really didn't make a whole lot of moves in the offseason. They lost Brunson. They replaced him to Christian Wood, but they really don't have a true point guard. Uh, Spencer Dinwiddie is their point guard, a guy who has traditionally been a six-man for most teams in the past few years. He was a guy coming off the bench in Brooklyn. He was a guy coming off the bench in Washington. And he was coming off the bench last season with the Mavericks, and now he's most likely going to be your starting guard. I like Spencer Dinwiddie, but come on, like, Brunson is the clear choice there. And again, I like the Christian Wood pickup, but I don't think it's enough. Um, they are another team I'm a little disappointed with, as I am in the Miami Heat, team that made a conference finals and really did not do a whole lot to get better. Uh, fifth seed, Minnesota Timberwolves. I love this team a lot. Um, Gobert and Carl Anthony Towns are just going to be a, a force to be reckoned with. And you still have. Uh, um, 
D'Angelo Russell in the fold. I like Jaden McDaniels there. And I'm having an absolute Anthony Edwards. There we go. Uh, Anthony Edwards, who is a, a fantastic young player. But I think the the, the sleeper on this team will be uh, McDaniels. I think McDaniels will have a very promising year this season. Um, but defensively, this 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 uh, Minnesota team is set. Like D'Angelo at the one, Edwards at the two, and McDaniels at the three, and then Gobert and uh, um, Carl Anthony Towns in, in the in the paint. Like they have great length. Um, this is going to be a very good uh, Minnesota team that could very well play a whole lot better than the fifth seed. Fourth seed, the Memphis Grizzlies. Uh, this is a team I want to put higher, but I, I don't know. Like the the Clippers are now healthy, the the Nuggets are healthy, and you know Golden State Warriors, are obviously the defending champs. Um, I, I like this Memphis team a lot, and they could very well find their way into the Western Finals. But for the time being, I'm going to put them at the fourth seed, which is still very good. I mean. I think you would have told a Grizzlies fan you're going to be, hey, you're going to be a top four seed in the West consistently back-to-back years. I don't think there would be any complaints there. Um, third seed, Los Angeles Clippers. This is, I think, my favorite in the West. This is going to be the team that comes out of the Western Conference. But the reason why they're at the three seed is because the Clippers will go through it every year um, or any team that has Kawhi Leonard will go through the load management stuff. And that will cause them to drop a lot of games. I don't think it will matter in the end for them. Um, but they'll, they'll, they'll be a third seed. And uh, if it's any consolation, the third seed in the West last year ended up winning the NBA championship, which was the Golden State Warriors. So uh, I think the Clippers do come out of the West, or they will be in the Western Finals, at, to say the least. Uh, but just with the load management issues, and I'm sure um, with John Wall and Paul George and Kawhi Leonard, who have all had a fair amount of health issue, health issues in their past, just taking all that into account that, one of those guys may have to miss some time. So put him at the third seed. Two seed, Denver Nuggets. Again, this is a very good basketball team. Um, without Jamal Murray the past few years, uh, Nikola Jokic has got him a sixth seed and a fifth seed. Now you're bringing Jamal. People forget how good Jamal Murray is. Uh, now you're bringing Jamal Murray back into the fold. Uh, you've got Michael Porter Jr. there. You have Aaron Gordon um, this is again a very talented Denver Nuggets team with a very good head coach in Mike Malone. Um, this is a second seed team. Uh, when they've been healthy the past in 2020 and in 2019, this was a, a top three seed team in the West, and I think they will return back to that form. And uh, I don't know as much as Western Conference Finals yet for them. This may be a team that falls and folds in the second round, but uh, we're talking about the regular season for the time being. This is a second seed in the in the in the West, and. Pretty obviously, my number one seed is going to be it's going to be the Golden State Warriors, um, team that just won the championship. They really did not make we really did not have to make a whole lot of offseason moves. Um, yeah, Steph Curry, Jordan Poole, Andrew Wiggins, uh, Clay Thompson, James Wiseman, uh, Moody, uh, Draymond Green. The fact that two of those guys are coming off the bench is absolutely insane. So uh, Jonathan Kaminga, um, the Warriors aren't going anywhere anytime soon. Um, they're they've got a great uh, arsenal of young players to where they will be able to still be in contenders um, long past Stephen Curry, long past Draymond Green, long past Clay, Tom, uh, Clay Thompson. So they're going to be the, you know, unanimous number one seed. So one seed in the East, Boston, one seed in the West, Golden State. Do we get a finals rematch? I don't know, but those are me and Matt's East and West 
uh, conference predictions, and we'll see how wrong these are at the end of the season. Yeah, when, I'm interested to see. When uh, the uh, Oklahoma City Thunder end up winning the Western Conference somehow. I'm not, <laughs> I don't know. If I'm Oklahoma City, I'm not sure that that's the yeah. plan. But No, yeah, the plan's to win the lottery. Yeah. Um, maybe have a, a few representatives, you know, maybe behind that, that curtain with the ping pong balls, just making sure no uh, yeah. funny business happens or um, anything like that. But let's shift gears there a little bit. Let's go to football. Before we get to college football, just real quick, this is going to be like literally who do you like for the Thursday night game, New Orleans, Arizona. I'm going to go Arizona. I'll go Arizona too. I think they're just a little bit better, but again, if you have better things to do on a Thursday night, I don't blame you. This game's probably not going to be that great. Um, which is sad because I, I going into the season, I thought we were going to get better primetime games. And for the most part, they've been just eh. So there you have it. Joey and I both on the Arizona Cardinals for tomorrow or for Thursday night football tonight. Let's jump into college football. A little bit of a rough week last week for both of us in college football when it came to picks. I think I finished the week one and three. Joey finished two and two. Uh, we both got UNLV and Alabama wrong. I also got USC wrong. Joey uh, got Utah right, beating USC. And then the other game that we picked was uh, Michigan, right? Yeah. We both took Michigan at home. We both, uh, I, I told you last week, James Franklin's a fraud. Point in case. James Franklin, big big time game, fraud alert. Fraud. Um, he's a good coach. He'll win you. The games you should you should win, but don't ask him to do too much out of his way. So, uh, big win for Michigan, though. A good win at home against a top ten opponent. Let's jump into this week's games. We will, of course, start as we always do locally with UNLV. I'm presuming we're both going to be on Notre Dame. Is this game relatively close, though? Mm. Kyle Williams back at practice, by the way, this week. Yeah, Kyle Williams will be back. No Doug Brumfield, though. No Doug and no Aiden Robbins yet. Both have been... Both uh, have Reese been. is still good. I uh, By close, I'll go, like... If, if you can consider this close, like, maybe 21-52. I mean, maybe, you, maybe we consider that close. So... It doesn't look as bad, I guess, on the uh, final scoreboard. Um, but I just think that the health issues we currently have, I, I, I feel like that's still like I'm kind of giving UNLV an edge here with 2150, or I'm giving them too much here with 2152. So that's what I'll go with. I'm going 2817. Notre Dame's going to win this game, but they haven't blown anybody out yet this year. Literally have blown nobody out. We're coming off two big blowouts, though. To San Jose and Air Force. Now, granted, twenty eight seventeen is with the assumption that Doug's going to end up playing. Right now, think, right now he hasn't practiced yet. Yeah, and we're on as at the time of this recording, we're on Wednesday morning, and he has not practiced. I feel like it's one of those that if he's ready to go, Arroyo's going to put him in. I know a lot of coaches like to see want to see players practice at least once or two day one or two days. But I think Doug Brumfield is so meaningful to this offense that if he gets the okay from all the medical specialists and all that and that he's cleared to play, I think you have to play Doug Brumfield this weekend against Notre Dame, even if he doesn't practice. Like, he may be a little rusty, sure, but, I mean, UNLV fans can, they've seen it firsthand, the drop-off from Doug Brumfield to Cameron Frew is significant. And it's significant enough that if Doug's ready to go, you put him in. Yeah. Um, 
Same thing with Aiden Robbins. Uh, they said he's he's dealing with a right knee injury, uh, listed as day to day. Um, personally, I like Aiden Robbins more than I like Courtney Reese. If he's healthy enough to go, you obviously play him. Like if, if that's the thing, if all these guys play, by the way, Adam Plant, all good to go. Um, was dealing with the undisclosed injury that kept him out against Air Force. Um, not sure what really happened, but they did say that he is back at practice, uh, all good to go. No, no signs of an injury. So. Rebels are going to get a little bit of an addition back to their defense for this game. And I, I think this is the game that they come in and they show a little bit of fight. Like 28-17 feels about right. And they keep this game relatively interesting. Ma- mainly because I think Notre Dame comes into this game feeling like, oh, UNLV's gotten smacked around back-to-back weeks. Like, we should have no problem with these guys. And maybe it's a little bit of an overlook factor for for Notre Dame. And like I said, Notre Dame literally has not blown a single team out this year. And in fact, at home, they lost to Marshall. Like, that's how wildly inconsistent Notre Dame has been. I'm going to err on the side that they do just enough to beat UNLV, and they beat them by double digits, and, you know, it's not all too alarming for the fan base, but I do think 28-17 feels just about right uh, for this game. But we both are in agreement that Notre Dame will win this game. Let's move on to the next game on tap. We've got... A Pac-12 matchup, a pretty good one. It's a top 10 matchup. The UCLA Bruins go up north to Eugene, Oregon to play the Oregon Ducks, a 9-10 matchup. UCLA. Ooh. This UCLA team is good, man. This is a... Sorry, Matt, but these are are the real... It's the real football team of Southern California, I feel. Let's take it easy there. So I'm going to go go with UCLA, and they've they've got a shot to... I'm not going to say playoff. Got a shot to because I think the committee's quite frankly rigging it to put three SEC teams, three SEC teams in there. Oh, most likely. Um, but uh, they've got a shot to go undefeated and win the Pac-12, and they'll probably have put them in the Rose Bowl, um, unfortunately. But which will be in their own stadium. Um, Maybe that's why they don't put them in the Rose Bowl. They go, they look at that and go, oh, I don't know. Well, they're eligible to be in the Rose Bowl. right? They are, yeah. yeah. But let, that's I mean, what I'm saying. They'll probably. I'm just put saying, yeah, I'm just saying that they they look at that and go, oh wait, that's where USC U, or U, UCLA plays. <laughs> well, it won't feel like a home game for them because uh, whoever they play, up, give them to an at-large bid. Do we, do we have a good bull that has an at-large? Whoever whoever they end up playing will probably have more fans. Most likely. Um, but yeah, I, I don't think I don't think that really there's a pathway for them to get to the playoff, which sucks because, like I said, the committee's reading it for three SEC schools, and then the fourth seed will be whoever wins that Michigan Ohio State game. Just shitty, but that's uh that's the committee for you. So, in summary, UCLA wins. Give me Oregon. I like Oregon here at home. Plays a little bit of a spoiler, as much as a ten can on a nine seat, I guess. But I do think this is going to be one of the more truer tests here for UCLA. It's a, a genuine true test on the road in conference. This is kind of one of those games that. UCLA, UCLA hasn't really seen a whole lot so far this year. Um, you know, they, they've had the relatively easier side of the Pac-12, um, albeit the, the, the conference is getting better. Like, you have teams that are genuinely getting better. You have teams like Washington that uh, are getting better that UCLA did beat. But it feels like maybe this is kind of the coming-down-to-earth moment a little bit for UCLA. Now, can they still you know, lose this game and maybe they have room to lose one more game and they still get to a very respectable and good bowl game for UCLA. Absolutely. They could still be a new year's day bowl bid. Um, you know, 
the thing that as we've seen with these New York New Year's Six uh, bowl games, uh, which used to be under the BCS system, is a lot more of those bowl games are going to at-large bids. So UCLA could make a decent case to, let's say they they finish the year ten and two, and you know the Fiesta Bowl wants to bring UCLA in. Like that's still a very good bowl game for UCLA, and they win that game. That's an eleven and two season. Like that's still something to be very proud about with UCLA um, under Chip Kelly, a program that was kind of on the, I mean, they, they were one of the worst programs in all of power five, not all that long ago. And so to see that turn around, um, I think it takes a little bit of a step backwards this weekend, but overall, I mean, I, I, I do think this is going to be at least a 10 and two UCLA team, if not better. So I'll go with Oregon at home here, close game, very good game. I know somebody in our group chat is a little disappointed he's not going to be watching this game. He voiced that last night in that being Dom. Um, no one cares what Dom says. To be honest, I, I didn't even realize these two teams were playing until Dom had said it. So like, I was like, oh, wait, they're playing this weekend? Oh, <laughs> all right, cool. Um, but Dom's probably had this on his, circled on his calendar for a couple of years now probably. So. Probably. Uh, leads us to our last game. It is a Big 12 matchup. Big 12 has some decent matchups this week. Um, probably the best overall competition of the power fives. We've got Kansas state going to TCU. I'm going to go with the home team, Horn frogs, former, former Mountain West, uh, Mountain West alumni, I should say. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I like TCU at home here up in, up in Fort Worth. Yeah. I know a lot of people have been on the K state train. Not one of them. Um, yeah. Kansas, the Kansas hype train for both schools is dying out. Yeah. Um, a lot of people were on the Adrian Martinez train, too, because they were on the K-State train. Is he's he a, back to A.J. Martinez form? He's okay. Like, he's he's be, he's playing better than he did at Nebraska. I will say that much. But you kind of know the limitations with Adrian Martinez. Like, he's not going to take you over the top. He's, he's good. He's serviceable. If you need a QB, he's not bad. But, I mean, if you can find better, please do. Um... Give me TCU as well. I like the home team here. TCU has been playing really good football this past handful of weeks. They, I believe, uh, really thumped o- Oklahoma pretty good a couple weeks ago, winning that game by about 20 or 30 points. Um, Oklahoma, or TCU, one of those teams that if they play their cards right, they may try and make a case for the committee to be that fourth team in. Um, again, knowing the committee, they'll find a way to put Alabama in, Georgia in in Tennessee in realistically um I think you put the SEC champ in because to me it's going to be either Bama or Georgia um you then put the Big Ten champ in because it'll likely be Ohio State or Michigan we talked about this not that long ago where technically the Big Ten championship game is between the Big Ten East and Big Ten West but the Big Ten West is kind of a laughing stock at the moment so really um, Michigan or Ohio State. If mm, I would say if Clemson runs the table and goes undefeated, you almost have to put them in by default, especially given their uh, playoff history. And then maybe you put a Pac-12 team in. Like that to me is the perfect playoff because you have parity across the board, you have diversity across the board as far as conferences, and we're not just stacking the playoff with a bunch of a bunch of SEC teams. Like we get. 12 or 13 weeks of football a year to see the SEC play. We don't want to see more of that. Like, I, I know there's a lot of SEC homers that would disagree, but 
I'm good with just having one SEC team in. If it's Bama, great. If it's Georgia, great. If it's Tennessee, great. Like, just give us one. And then if that team runs the table and they beat Ohio State down and they beat Clemson down or they beat USC or whoever you want to throw in that fourth spot down, then great. That's what happens. But overall, point of the case is TCU could very well make a case for the committee if they play their cards right, they win out their schedule. Um, it feels like the Big Ten or the Big 12, whoever comes out of that uh, conference, in order to make a viable case to the committee for that four spot, is going to have to win out. So, gonna have to. It's gonna be interesting. But like Joey said, the committee will um, find ways to tweak out, tweak tweak around the rules. We'll get Bama, Georgia, Tennessee, and then well, Ohio State. Well, real quick, like they they want they want three SEC schools, so Tennessee will be in there. Georgia will be in there, and out, like let's make no mistake here, Alabama will find a way yeah. to get back in there. And the fourth seed will be between, like I said, it'll be between Michigan and Ohio State, and that's what they'll want. And then the 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 one seed will probably go to Georgia. Mm-hmm. The two seed will go to Tennessee. Yep. Three seed will go to Bama. Yep. Four seed will go to Michigan. Let's just say Michigan beats Ohio State. Yep. Which would literally be identical, identical to last year's matchups. Because Georgia played who? Georgia played Michigan, last Michigan year. Bama played Cincinnati. Yeah, and Bama, it'll be pretty much the same, just Bama's playing someone else they're going to have to beat in the playoff. And then guess what? We're going to get in the championship again. Alabama and Georgia. How fun. Yeah. How fun. Thank you. Thank you, committee. This um, is why I'm for expansion, by the way, of the play, of the playoff. But here's the thing. They'll, they'll just rig the seeds. So it's literally just the same matchup again. So we'll just put the entire SEC conference at one point. Yeah, yeah. In the it'll be the entire. It'll be the SEC <laughs> playoff. So let's just do that. If we're gonna just right. make us make a super league like they wanted to do with soccer, right? Like for like two years ago, and everyone had the meltdown over that. Yeah. Let's just make a make a SEC super league. Let's just let's just put, let's have a SEC and Big Twelve merger, Big Ten merger, and let's just all call it the, the greater SEC, and everyone else can, play Division Two football. I guess. Oh, I mean, the committee would be all over that for sure, but. Thank you all for tuning in to Thursday's episode of Back and Forth. We're back on Saturday with NFL and other headlines to get to. I've been your host, Matt, a.k.a. Matt Raftery. Join alongside, as always, by my co-host, Joey G. We'll do it all again on Saturday. Until then, enjoy the rest of your day. Please try and suffer through Thursday Night Football if you have to. And we will talk to you guys on Saturday. Saturday.